Welcome to Public Health Out Loud, public health for the public. My name is Dr. Philip Chan from the Rhode Island Department of Health. Today we are talking about a potentially critical life-saving intervention, blood donation. January is National Blood Donor Month, and for the past 40 years, the Rhode Island Blood Center has been the primary supplier of blood and blood products throughout Rhode Island and in neighboring states. Today, we have a member of the team from the Rhode Island Blood Center joining us to talk about the important impact that donating blood can have for the health of others in the community, and who knows, maybe someday yourself. Caitlin Grimaldi-Flick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Rhode Island Blood Center. So I am the Marketing and Communications Manager for Rhode Island Blood Center. I've been here for about two years, so I have been working behind the scenes and kind of helping raise awareness. You know, not everyone who is eligible to donate blood does so. So we're just trying to raise that awareness because we have been in this critical supply and demand um, since the actually kind of before the p- pandemic. Um, so we're working with our community, going out into our high schools, really with that donor engagement to raise awareness. You know, I became familiar with Rhode Island Blood Center. Uh, when I first moved here about 10 years ago, I worked with NBC10 and NBC10's Barbara Morris works very closely with the blood center. So I kind of saw all those stories firsthand of the impact this product can have. And it really inspired me to get involved. And then this position opened up and here we are. Let's talk about blood donations and really with a really basic question to start Talk to us about why donating blood is important. What is it used for? What do you do with the blood that's collected? Blood is used for a variety of reasons. You know, there's obviously those ones that we think about with a trauma situation, a car accident, uh, surgery. A lot of people need it for surgery, but also it's predominantly used by cancer patients. You know, this product really helps them in their toughest moments through their treatment. And then it's also used for mothers and newborns, you know, giving birth can have some of those complications. So that's a trauma situation. The mothers need the blood and it's, you know, every two seconds, someone is in need of blood across this country. Think about that. Like that's a impressive stat. That's, thousands of transfusions a day, millions of transfusions a year. It's vital that we maintain that stable supply so that it is on the shelves. Cause that, like you said earlier, this could someday be you. And does donating blood, can donating blood actually save a life? It can, it can save up to three lives. You know, it, the blood, if you donate whole blood, it is broken into three components platelets, plasma, and red cells. And those are all used for a variety of different reasons. And the blood that you donate here in Rhode Island stays in Rhode Island. We service over 60 hospitals across Southern New England. So you're making that profound impact in your community. Everyone I think is searching for that cause to make it where they're giving back. And there's no easier thing to do than donating blood. And you don't have to pay or anything, correct? You can just go and sign up and donate blood? 
Exactly. You know, sometimes we have fun incentives throughout the years or throughout the year uh, so that you can kind of brag that you're this life-saving superhero. We have shirts, we have socks, we have hats. Um, so we do reward our donors with those type of things, but you don't have to pay to become a hero. Everyone, like I said, is looking for that cause, but like not all of us can be a soldier, a police officer, a firefighter, but you can be a hero. It takes less than an hour of your time and you just come in, donate. I think the longest part of the donation process is actually the snacks afterward. You know, the donating blood takes maybe 15 minutes, but I've seen people do it in seven minutes. Is it safe? Is there any risk to the person who's actually donating the blood? There is no risk. You know, our staff is here to help you through that process. You know, sometimes maybe if you don't eat enough, you might start feeling a little nauseous. But overall, our process is safe. Our staff are well-trained so that if you do have a reaction, but that is very few and far between. Yeah, and I'll, I'll um, uh, mention that I actually donated blood at the Rhode Island Blood Center a couple months ago. Is a pretty painless process, and I use that word intentionally, uh, and a pretty seamless process. Um, but can you walk our listeners through sort of a, a typical blood donation process? What can someone expect? What do you actually do when someone signs up? So when you first come in, you'll check in, you'll be giving some paperwork to fill out your health history, any possible recent travel, your medications. We have to take all of that into account. And then you actually kind of undergo almost like this mini physical exam, which is kind of a benefit. You don't have to necessarily go to the doctor for that type of information. You get your iron checked, your blood pressure. We do take a temp because sometimes people just aren't aware that they're not feeling well. Um, and then they will guide you through that paperwork that you filled out just to figure out your history. That again is also kind of a more in-depth process. So that maybe takes 15 minutes. Then our wonderful staff will take you to the donation bed. Our beds are very comfortable compared to what they used to be 10, 15 years ago. And you'll donate. And, you know, it's a small needle prick. And I think a lot of people are surprised how painless it is, but our needles are smaller than, you know, when you go to the lab to get some blood work for like your physical and the blood donation process takes, like I said, maybe up to 15 minutes. I've seen people do it in way less time. If you're donating platelets, which is a little bit of a different process that can take a little longer. Um, but genuinely whole blood takes about 15 minutes. And then we ask that you just kind of hang out in our refresh area for another 15 minutes, you know, you get to eat some snacks to kind of recover. We have juice, we have hot chocolate, we have coffee, we have, you know, this whole plethora of, op of options for you. And after the 15 minute refresh, you are on your way, you're heading out the door and you helped three patients in our community. And I will say again, I went through the process and I was um, relatively surprised it was so simple. Uh, and I'm also, I will admit as well, I'm a doctor, right? So I'm sticking needles into lots of people in all different places, but I generally don't like having needles stuck in me. So I understand that concern of people, but I found the entire process, including the actual blood draught, not to be painful or uncomfortable myself. So just to reassure people out there who may be considering it. Um, one thing that they did do to me, just curiously, you know, they drew a bunch of vials of blood to test it for various things to make sure the blood supply is safe. Now, talk to us about the safety of the blood supply. What did you test? What do you routinely test for? And I mean, how safe is the blood supply in general? 
our blood supply is safer than it's ever been. You know, we have a state of our state of the art lab here where we're taste testing stuff for like Lyme disease, HIV, other STDs, um, Babesia, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, so we're testing for these plethora of things that some people may not be aware that they have. But we've actually had a couple of donors who we've had to follow up with them and be like, hey, you know, we've had an issue with our blood, your blood, the Rhode Island Department of Health is going to be contacting you following up. So those measures are in place to catch something in, in case someone isn't aware of a health issue that they might have. And we're always continuously improving the testing that's going on. And we hope that down the line, there be no concerns about blood safety. You know, right now we don't think there's any concerns, but there's always that minuscule chance, just like anything else, you know, things happen, people aren't honest, but our tests do catch that. Would you have any concern yourself about getting a blood product from Rhode Island Blood Center or a family member? I would not. You know, I trust our staff. I trust our team. I trust our equipment. You know, my husband actually needed blood. If the blood wasn't there. My husband wouldn't be here today, but I was not concerned about him receiving those blood. You know, down a couple of years ago, my father needed blood for when he had bypass surgery. Again, no concerns because those checks and balances are in place. Who is eligible to give blood? Is there anyone that actually shouldn't be given blood or can anyone give it? You know, up to 60% of the population is eligible to donate blood, but only 3% do na nationally. Rhode Island, we are a little bit better. We're at 4%, but we still have a long way to go. Most people can donate blood. They just don't know that they can. You know, there are some travel restrictions. There are some medical restrictions. But if you have any questions about if you're eligible or you just want to learn more about the process, our team, you can come in and our team will ha be happy to answer your questions. You can give them a call. You know, we have had some recent changes with guidelines from the FDA that allow people who didn't used to be eligible to now donate. You know, we recently lifted the mad cow disease restriction for those who used to live in Europe. So that was a great move. We've also implemented changes for the LGBTQIA plus community that had not been able to donate for a while. You know, now we look at the individual and not base it off of their sexual orientation. So lots of changes have happened in the last few years. So you're probably eligible to donate. You just don't know it. And I will highlight the uh, the changes uh, focusing not on LGBTQ, um, sexual orientation, gender identity, but focus more on behaviors. What's a big step and something all of us are entirely supportive of and thought it was long overdue, frankly. So some good changes all in the uh, for the positive here. Does blood go bad or expire? Does it last forever? What's the general shelf life? That's one question that we've um, we've gotten here. So blood does expire. You know, it's like anything else that, you know, our medications expire after so long. That's why there's this constant need. Whole blood red cells expire around 42 days. Platelets have a shelf life of five to seven days. So that's why there's this constant need. And that's why we're asking people to donate at least once a season. We think that that 
will in- help with building our stable supply. You know, whole blood donors can donate up to six times a year. So if you really want to challenge yourself and be really strict about that, you can donate up to six times. Platelets, you can donate every two weeks. So that's actually 24 times a year. That would be a rock star status, you know. So just think of it as this, where you don't know when you're going to need that blood. But that's why it's important that you do donate, because if you continuously have this life-saving habit, then that blood will be on the shelves in case you need it, a loved one needs it, even like a neighbor, friend, a coworker, you just never know. And that's part of the challenge of the situation, right, is that the blood does is time-limited uh, and it's always constantly being used. Uh, and that's why there's always a needed continued supply, why people always need to continue and consider donating. Yeah. You know, right now, most of our donors donate on average about two times a year, which is great compared to other parts of the country where maybe they only have one time a year, but there's still a long way to go. You know, like I said, you know, Rhode Island, we're about 4% of the population donates, but if we can increase that by just 1%, we could potentially end blood shortages, which is such a chronic issue that we've faced these last few years. So really we're encouraging everyone roll up their sleeves. It's a lot easier than we think, you know, be that someone else that you think, oh, someone else is there. You can be that someone else to actually donate and save lives. Let me ask you this. One theme on this podcast, on these podcasts tend to be um, COVID pandemic, and the impact of the pandemic on various uh, services. How did the COVID pandemic, how did it and how is it potentially impacting blood donation here in Rhode Island? You know, during the pandemic, there were very challenging times. I know that some hospitals were a little concerned about, are they going to have to make those very difficult decisions if there's an emergency in determining who receives the blood, which just sounds like such an awful position to be in. No one wants to make those life or death decisions. You know, the pandemic changed how we all operate. A lot of workplaces are in hybrid mode still. So maybe those who used to donate with their workplace three or four times a year, they're not in their workplace when the drive is happening. So they're not donating as regular. And then youth, the pandemic impacted our youth donations. You know, before the pandemic, we were starting to see a decline. They made up for about 25% of our collections. So imagine no high school drives, no college drives during the pandemic. That was a huge impact. And we're still kind of trying to rebuild from that. There's been about a 50% decline in youth donations across the country. You know, we're are we are going back into the high schools and educating them on this need but there's kind of that generation that we missed because we just weren't in the schools we well they weren't even in school they were doing remote learning so we're still rebuilding the pandemic is still being felt i know a lot of people are thinking of this as past tense but this is very much a present and future tense issue for not just rhode island blood center but the nation's blood supply and I will say, um, as someone that uh, worked and was involved through much of the pandemic, that was one of the worst parts um, for me was having to have these discussions about triaging uh, sometimes scarce medical supplies so that we talked about it for ventilators, uh, blood products. But 
Um, and I guess what's also frustrating about it is that it's this is something that we can prevent just by people by do- donating blood. So um, again, just encouraging all of us to uh, to do our part, myself included, to donate blood occasionally, not all the time potentially, but once or twice a year, as you mentioned, is kind of on average person. And if we all did that, we would have plenty of blood, right? Exactly. We would, you know, it would be sad. It would sound crazy, but at some point, maybe it would be a conversation of, hey, we have too much blood. We're not there yet, but that's why we need everyone to donate once, twice a year. We're also encouraging people, if you can, I understand sometimes schedules are difficult or travel, you know, donate the four seasons. That's an easy way of thinking of it. I've got to come in in the spring, the summer, the fall, the winter, because that way we have that consistent, we know we're going to have Dr. Chan come in in June and then he'll be eligible in 56 days and he'll come again. We have that way of kind of seeing the future for the blood supply. And we can think that we might not have a blood shortage when there's usually a difficult time of year. And so people could actually set up a blood drive at their work. Uh, How does that work? And do you need volunteers if people want to even help with this? Uh, What do people do? So if you would like to set up a blood drive with your work, you know, just reach out to our team. There's actually like a little button at the top of our website, ribc.org, where it explains how you can get involved and it says host a drive. If you go there, you just fill out a very simple form. And then we have a wonderful team here who kind of, they have like their territories, right? And so if you're in Warwick, you might be with one account manager, they'll work with you and our account managers are wonderful. They walk you through the process. They have this timeline of three months out, six weeks out, four weeks out. And they'll even, if you're a little bit nervous about your first blood drive, they'll work and be at that blood drive with you. So we set you up for success. And then we're always in need of volunteers. You know, some people just are not eligible to donate blood. It could be they have a medical condition or you know, travel from 20 years ago that maybe is hindering that. But if you volunteer, that's a way to still help out in our life-saving mission because you're helping raise the awareness of blood donations. You're helping those who are coming to our blood drives. And, you know, we have a lot of opportunities. We even have like some admin volunteer opportunities here at our headquarters in Providence. And January is National Blood Donor Month. Talk to us about this and how this got started and Why January? So over 50 years ago, President Nixon declared January National Blood Donor Month. January is usually a very difficult time for blood collections. You know, we have to factor in the weather, which, you know, we just had our first big snowstorm in, I think, quite a while here in southern New England. And then now we're dealing with rain and floods and all of these things. So January can be a very difficult time because we have our illnesses, we have our weather, people are getting back from the holidays and they're slammed with their schedule. They're not necessarily thinking about donating blood. So National Blood Donor Month is a time to celebrate our volunteer blood donors, but also raise that awareness of that critical need so that we don't enter a blood emergency in the winter months. But also it kind of pushes us to get people in that life-saving habit, starting it in the new year and preventing other blood emergencies down the line. We're here with Caitlin Grimaldi-Flit from the Rhode Island Blood Center talking to us about blood donations. So Caitlin, our time is winding up here. 
Any final thoughts for our listeners related to blood donations in Rhode Island or really the U.S.? It's a really easy process, you know, less than an hour of your time and you're out the door. I hear so many times that people are leaving and they're feeling like they are a superhero. They have that really good feeling that carries them throughout the day. Our staff is wonderful. They will walk you through the process. And, you know, if you need someone to not talk to you during your blood donation process, you just want to get through it. They're happy to do that. They're also happy to distract you. You know, whatever you need, we are there to help you because we care about what we do here at Rhode Island Blood Center. And it's important to us that we continue our life-saving mission in helping those patients because it can range from the littlest patients, like a premature baby, to our oldest patients who are undergoing cancer treatment or needing surgery. That need is constant. So we just are encouraging everyone to roll up their sleeves. If you haven't donated before, consider giving it a try. If you haven't donated in a while, come in, we'll walk you through the process. You know, our loyal donors have really helped us through these challenging few years post-pandemic and during the pandemic, but we just need more help. Caitlin Grimaldi-Flick, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about this potentially life-saving intervention, blood donations. Thank you. Again, for our listeners who are interested in how they can donate blood or volunteer at the Rhode Island Blood Center, please visit ribc.org forward slash donate. Uh, so in closing, uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you to Erica Collins, our executive producer, and Carol Stone, our technical director. I'm Dr. Philip Chan, signing off on behalf of the Rhode Island Department of Health. Thank you all and be well.